I wanted to uh, share with you this morning, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was driving, I was on my way to pick up one of my daughters from her gymnastics practice, and I had some extra time in the car, and I normally don't do this at night, but I was listening to uh, AM talk radio, and I was listening to this guy I'd never listened to before. He was uh, talking about the coronavirus because everyone was talking about that and everyone's still talking about that. And this was uh, a couple weeks ago. The news media was really ramping up their coverage of this. And I didn't really know a lot about the virus yet. Even just a couple of weeks ago, I was pretty naive to how serious this whole thing is. And so I was listening and, and, and learning. And uh, as soon as I tuned in, this guy he was sort of changing his tone a little bit. And, and what he said to his audience was, hey, I want you guys, listen, there's a lot of things. We're all, we're all afraid. We're all worried and concerned about how bad this is going to get. None of us really knows what to expect. I want to hear what your hope is in right now. I, I, want, I want my callers to call in right now and give us something to, to put our hope in. What, what is it that you're putting your hope in right now? And he's, he kept talking and talking. Nobody called. And so he kept talking and, and stammering on about, uh, you know, let, let's remember, we have the best healthcare system in the world. We, you know, this, this thing is going to pass eventually. Um, the doctors are going to figure this out. They're going to develop a vaccine. And he, he kept talking. And then he took a commercial break. And then he came back and no one had called. And, and he went on like this for about 20 minutes, just trying to fill the air with uh, whatever he could think of. And it, it became clear to me that he was really reaching for something he didn't have, hoping someone would call in and share something positive, something that they're holding on to, something that they're hoping in that they could share with everyone else. And I listened to the very end of the show for about 25 minutes, not a single person called. Not a single person called. And maybe some of you are wondering, Pastor Dave, why didn't you call? Why didn't you call and share the hope of Jesus? And uh, I got to be honest with you, I was afraid. For some reason, I'm afraid of calling into talk radio programs. I don't know why that is. And uh, if I get that opportunity again, I will call. But in that moment, I was afraid and I didn't call and neither did anybody else. And that just tells us that there, there's a lot of people in our world right now who don't have hope. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you putting your hope in? Are you putting your hope in the idea that this is going to pass, that this is only temporary. Are you putting your hope in a, a vaccine? Are you putting your hope in your age, that maybe because you're younger, you're not as vulnerable to something like this? Are you putting your hope in the idea that even though there's a lot of bad things happening to a lot of people in the world right now, that stuff isn't going to happen to me or my family because I'm good or because I'm young, or because God loves me, he wouldn't let something like that happen to me. I want you to know this morning that there is something the world desperately needs right now that nothing in the world can give them. And there's only one person who can give you what you need, and it's Jesus. And that's, what, what is that thing? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We do not have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. At the end of Jesus' life, uh, he had a very long conversation with his disciples. It's recorded in the Gospel of John. And these are the last moments that Jesus will have with his 12 disciples before they're all scattered. And this is the last night of Jesus' life. It's the night before his crucifixion. He will be crucified the next morning at 9 a.m. And we read about this dialogue Jesus has with his disciples 
uh, beginning in John chapter 13, and we're going to pick up the conversation in John chapter 16. Jesus says this to his disciples, I have told you these things. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now one thing we know about what's going on here is the disciples are not ready to lose Jesus. They, they do not like what's happening. They, so he's warning them about what's going to happen next. He's warning them about what's coming. He doesn't minimize the threat. He's not dismissive. He, he's very clear about the severity of what they're going to face. He wants them to know how hard it's going to be. He wants them to be ready. And Jesus, honestly, he's not concerned that the disciples are going to get beat up and knocked down and dragged and, and, and uh, persecuted or imprisoned or killed. He's not concerned about any of that. He says that those things very well might and, and will happen. Jesus' main concern is that when those disciples face opposition and when they face those hard times and times of uncertainty and fear, how they're going to respond. He, he's concerned that they stay true to their faith and that they don't give up because the truth is they will be tempted to give up. They'll be tempted to turn back. They'll be tempted to choose the easy path. They'll be tempted to assume the worst. They'll be tempted to invent trouble that isn't even there. They'll be tempted to turn back. And Jesus says that when all that is happening, he will be there. He will never abandon them. Even though they won't be able to see him, he will never abandon them. He will never leave them in their trouble. He will send the spirit of truth to comfort them, to remind them of everything he said, to guide them, and to make them strong. And here are the last recorded words of Jesus to the 12 disciples before he prays and then they leave for the night. Here's what he says. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus warned us that in this world we will have all kinds of sorrow, all kinds of difficulty, that we will experience pain and loss and disappointment and struggles and sorrows. But Jesus assured us that he has overcome this world. How did he do that? Jesus overcame the world by dying, by dying for our sins, by rising from the dead. By doing that, Jesus made sure that death will not have the last word, that this world will be renewed, that he will come back and he's going to make everything right. He never said we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be sad. He never said we wouldn't face fears and pain and disappointment and, and tragic loss. He did say that he will be with us when all of that happens. He did say he knows exactly what that feels like. He did say he will constantly intercede for us and be our advocate, that he will be for us and not against us. Jesus has already set us free. 
from the sin and evil of this world by dying for our sins on the cross. But today it feels like sin and death are very near. I mean, every single day it's in our face. Every day we're reminded that the death, the death toll is, is just going up and up and up by the thousands. That this virus is everywhere. And Jesus said that even though all of that is going on, he said to take heart. Don't lose heart, take heart. Those are two very different phrases that are all over the Bible. There are so many times when God's people are tempted, tempted to lose heart. And that means that we are tempted to be afraid, to shrink back, to run away, to isolate, to hide, to keep our distance. One of the times that phrase is first introduced is in the Old Testament in a very familiar story uh, of David and Goliath. And Israel was being intimidated by this giant Philistine. His name was Goliath. And it says that the Israelites were losing heart. And David stepped forward. This young man, he was probably 15 or 16 years old. He was not intimidating. He was cute. And he came up and he said, hey, don't lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Don't lose heart on account of this giant. God is here with us today and he's going to deliver us. And he did. And Jesus reminds us at the end of his earthly life, not to lose heart, but to take heart. To not be afraid but to be courageous and to trust him because he's with us every moment. He will never leave us or forsake us. Today we're scattered. Today we can't physically gather. We, we, can't, we won't be able to physically gather probably for the next few weeks or longer because our world is full of fear and uncertainty about the future. Our health and safety is up in the air. Our jobs, our income, we don't know what's going to happen. Our hobbies, even to some extent, our way of life has all been upended. It's all been shaken. And what's left? What's left? Jesus. We have Jesus. We always will. No matter how bad it gets, we have Jesus. I know you feel the anxiety of all of it. I, I know you feel it. I have felt it. Some of us have felt it so much that it, it, we've, we've felt physically uh, sick We've felt tightness in our chest, this, this uneasiness or twisting in our gut because things, we don't know how this is all going to turn out. We don't know how bad it's going to get. Some of us have felt that deep unsettling feeling of, of fear and, and worry and concern and knowing that we don't, we, we just have no control. And we never did. We never did have that control. It's just we know for sure right now it's, it's in our face. And that's exactly what the disciples were feeling. They were feeling the same thing as Jesus is speaking to them. We like to know what's going to happen next. We want to know that everything's going to be okay. We want to know that our circumstances are going to turn out for good. We want to know that this whole thing's going to blow over and everything will return to, no to normal. The problem is nobody knows what that new normal is going to be. And God knows exactly what you're going through. He's been there. He knows what makes you uneasy and afraid. He knows that feeling. Jesus knows so well that feeling of anguish. Knowing that it's going to be hard. Knowing that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And God, quite honestly, is not in a hurry to fix our situation. He's not in a hurry to answer all our questions. What he is very ready to do is give you what you need. And what you and I need right now is peace. We need the kind of peace that the world cannot give us. Your trouble for Jesus is an opportunity to give you peace. And your fear for Jesus 
is an opportunity to give you faith. That's where our faith comes from. It's not something that we conjure up. Our faith is a gift from our Father God, from our Savior Jesus, from our our advocate and helper, the Holy Spirit. And this is not the first time Jesus talked like this. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Later on in uh, the same chapter, he said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Let that sink in for a minute. That is Jesus speaking to you today. Don't be troubled or afraid. The peace he gives is otherworldly. It's a peace that nothing in this world can take away. The world can't give it. The world can't take it away. No matter how chaotic things get, that peace will stand. It will abide. Why don't we simply take Jesus at his word? Why don't we believe? Why don't we have peace in our trouble? I think the answer is fear. Fear is our greatest obstacle right now. Fear is your biggest obstacle to peace. Fear is a threat to us. In fact, according to Jesus, fear is a bigger threat to you than death. Because fear keeps us from, what, from doing what God has called us to do. Fear keeps us from taking risks. Fear keeps us from loving our neighbor. Fear keeps us from being generous. Fear, fear keeps us, fear might be keeping some of you from, from reaching out to a loved one right now and asking them if they're okay. Fear keeps us from following Jesus and going where he tells us to go. And fear keeps us from living the abundant life that is ours simply by believing in Jesus. So I, I want to remind you today that you have a choice. If you belong to Jesus, you have a choice between fear and peace. You are not mastered by fear. You do not have a spirit of fear. The Apostle Paul told us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and some of you have been seeing this verse floating around on social media and other places, that we do not have a a spirit of fear or timidity, but we have a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. That's, that's our spirit during this time. And you can, have, you can have this peace today. Uh, you know what? I forgot to bring something up here with me. I think it's in my bag or something like that. Too late. My, uh, one of my kids this last week um, gave me an envelope. And written on it, on the envelope said, do not open until you get to church. Put in office or something like that. I was like, what's in here? She's like, you'll just have to wait and see. Well, I, um, I couldn't wait. Um, I'm terrible at waiting for things. So I opened it up and there was $21 of cash in this envelope. I was like, and I, I went to her and I was like, what is, what's up with this $21? That's a lot of money for a 10-year-old. $21 to a 10-year-old is like $21,000 for me, probably. And she's like, I just, I don't need it. I wanted to give it to church because I know we need it. I know the church needs it right now. And um, by the way, that was all her money, all the, all the $21 that she owns. And this isn't even the first time she's done that. Another time she gave like $38. And um, I was just blown away by that. I was like, 
are you sure you want to do this? I mean, you sure you don't want to save some or whatever? And I, I didn't exactly try to talk her out of it, but I just wanted to make sure she had weighed her options um, because that's what I would do. And she said, she was like, no, I don't, I don't need it. This is what I want to do. And I was really encouraged by that. And what I'm not, I, I want you to understand something. I'm, I'm not asking for your money right now. It's not something you, it, for those of you who've been, uh, who know me, you know that that's not what this is about. I'm trying to make a point. My 10-year-old, yes, she's a child, but she has something that we need. She has peace. She has faith. <laughs> she has courage. And you might be thinking, she's 10. She's a kid. Her life is, not, is simple. My life is complicated. She doesn't need money. I need money. I have to provide for my family. I have a retirement to think about. I have all these things. And, and I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. Yes, she's 10. Yes, your life is more complicated. But let me tell you something she has. She has what my sister would call a Jesus heart. A Jesus heart is a heart that's like a child. That's what Jesus said. If you want to know God as he truly is, you have to come to God like a child. You have to come knowing that you, you, that you have nothing. You have nothing to offer God. You need God more than he needs you. You desperately need God. You need God to provide everything for you. You need him for your daily breath. Everything you have is a gift from God. So that's what, it's, that's what it means to come to God like a child, is to come to him utterly dependent. And that's how my child was. That's how my child is. She has that peace. She has that courage. She's unafraid. That's what Jesus is offering to us. That's what he's saying we need. We need the kind of peace that just says, you know what, I'm going to give because I, I, I know other people need this more than I do. And not be afraid about it. Trust God with the outcome because you can't control the outcome. That's the kind of peace we need. Peace like a child. So, um, how can someone is afraid? I mean, as God's people, as followers of Jesus, we're called to love and give fearlessly. We're called to lay down our lives for others. We're called to a life of peace and joy no matter what's going on around us. How can anyone who's afraid love like that? How can anyone who's afraid give like that? You can't. Only the peace of Jesus gives you that freedom, gives you that choice to be a light in the darkness, to give hope to people who are hopeless. And that's what the church is. That's who we are. That's who God has created us to be. So I, I want to talk about, for, for the last few minutes of, our, of the message here, I want to talk about love in action. Love in action. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about things that we can do to be the church during this very difficult time in our culture and in our community. And there's things that we're doing right now that are things we've never done before that God is using to open people's eyes and to wake them up spiritually. And he's going to continue to move and do that as we step out in faith and allow God to use us during a time when most everybody else around us is struggling with fear. So number one, love and action. Number one, use social media. Use social media. Don't let social media use you, okay? There's a big difference between those two things. And here's what I mean. Use social media to encourage people spiritually, to speak truth, to share God's love with others. To, to, that's what we should be using social media to do, to stay connected, to reach out to our friends, to ask them how they're doing. How can we pray for you? What, is there anything that you need? 
that's a, social media can be a great tool for us as a church to show concern and compassion for others. What we shouldn't be using social media for is to offer our opinions on how bad or how not bad this whole thing is going to be. Nobody cares about your opinion, okay? I'm willing to tell you that this morning. Nobody cares what you think about how bad or how not bad this whole thing is going to get. If you are a, a, a healthcare professional, you get a pass on this. I am willing to listen to you. I do care about your opinion. We have five uh, healthcare professionals in this church, and I have been reaching out to them and asking for their opinions, actually, uh, because I care what they think. If you're not a healthcare professional, leave that to the professionals, all right? I think we'll all be better off if you do that. We are the body of Christ, and nothing's going to change that. So let's, let's use social media as a tool to encourage people spiritually. Number two, use this time of social distancing to get to know your neighbors. And there are several ways that you can do this. You can invite a neighbor or family over for a meal, as long as that family isn't too big, right? You can take a meal to your neighbors. You can drop it off at their front door in a bag and with an encouraging note. You can bake a loaf of bread. You can bake some cookies and take them to your neighbors. You can reach out to your neighbors and ask them how they're doing, if they need anything, how you can pray for them. Those are ways that we can get to know our neighbors, because guess what? Nobody's nearly as busy now as they were a month ago. Your neighbors are all at home in the evenings, right? We're all at home because we have to be. So let's use this time to encourage our neighbors, to serve our neighbors, to love our neighbors, and to get to know our neighbors. Um, number three, this is really important, donate blood. Uh, the blood supply at many hospitals is already low, and it's going to become dangerously low. And that is something that we can do that's very practical, that can help other people during this crisis. I hope you will consider donating blood very soon. Number four, you can pray for our healthcare workers. Our healthcare workers at Crosspoint are taking this very seriously, and so I believe we should too. And one of the best things that we can do is we can pray for them. We can pray for their families. We can pray for their health. Um, they are short-staffed. They are working long hours. They have a lack of supplies. There are healthcare leaders that are navigating uncharted territory. One of our nurses here that works, I believe, at Freighter, said that in their uh, hospital right now, they already have some 30 staff members who are quarantined after being exposed to this virus. So they are, um, they're in a really bad spot right now, and they need our prayers. They need our support. They need our love. We're exploring ways as a church right now that this week we can reach out to uh, our local hospital and offer support and encouragement and snacks and stuff like that. That's something that is practical that we can do as a church. And we know, because we just talked about this as a church family in February, that God hears our prayers and he answers and that prayer works. So we're going to pray more than ever during this time. The last thing I want to, to tell you, this love in action, the last, uh, the last thing I'm going to ask you to do and this is probably the most important thing you could do, is that you would use this time and this season to seek God with your whole heart. That's something that God wants. That's something that God wants for you. And I know this is, this is one of the reasons that we're in this situation is that God wants more and more people to seek him, to turn to him, to humble themselves before him, to invite God into their hearts and into their lives. And I'm asking you to do this with the extra time that you have with your family at home. Some of you are busier at work right now. Some of you are. I'm one of those people. But my life is a lot less busy. You know why? No sports. No kids sports. 
The soccer season is on hold. The gymnastics gym is canceled. The softball season, all baseball, all of it is suspended. So most of us have more free time on our hands right now. And I believe the best thing we could do with that free time is to seek God and to be intentional, to read our Bibles, to pray, to ask God to speak, to move, to show himself in new and fresh ways that he would use this time to change us so that when that new normal comes, we're, we're ready. We're, we're a new person. We're ready for whatever it is God has for us. Honestly, our, our kids keep asking my wife and I every day. It's starting to get annoying. What are we doing tonight? The answer is always the same, nothing. And uh, it's been only like seven days of this. It feels like a month. It's only been like seven days. And honestly, it's been pretty great. My family, we're playing games together. We're watching movies together. We're having, uh, we're having fires and playing outside. We're doing more reading. We're having more meaningful conversations. Our kids are learning new skills, which is awesome. They're helping out more than they have before and complaining about it. Uh, we're eating, we're making meals together. We're eating together more. And a part of me is like, I could get used to this. And another part of me is like, God, please, please, when is this going to be over? Um, and I'm not even home a, a lot as much during the week. It's my wife that is feeling that way more. But I am thanking God every day for the simplicity of our family life right now and for the little things. So please hear this. Use this extra time to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He loves you. He will never abandon you. He will never leave us or forsake us. Um, you know what? I'm actually going to prove to you today that I am not afraid because as precious a commodity as this is, as soon as the service is over, I'm going to take this roll of toilet paper and I'm going to TP Pastor Scott's office because I don't care. I'm not afraid. And uh, so that's one thing I'm going to do. But in all seriousness, um, if you are watching this today, if you are watching this today and you don't have this peace that Jesus talked about, it can be yours. In the New Testament in Romans chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul wrote that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came to earth to show us what God is like and that he went to the cross and he took our sin in his body and he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could become new, so that we could be made right with God. It's through faith, that's it. It's by grace through faith. It's nothing we do. We don't earn God's favor. We never could. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he did. And if you believe that and you say Jesus is Lord, you can say that right now where you're sitting. Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Then you can choose peace today. And your life might never be the same. I know mine hasn't. So I want to encourage you with those words today.